0: Hello, and welcome back to Touching Base PR Edition. My name is Jamie Gerke, and I'll be your host today. This is the podcast where I help aspiring communications professionals create the careers they dream of. Through fun interviews with top-notch PR and marketing pros, you're going to gain a wide understanding of the industry and know how to make your mark. Let's do it. Today's episode is an interview with Naz LaRoe, who is the founder of 50th Parallel PR. We talk about so, so many different things. Um, She's from Canada, so we talk about some of her work with the Indigenous communities there. We talk about being an English lit major in college, starting your career in a small town, and also a little bit about the future of PR regarding the gender gap and a lot of things like that. So there's so much good content in this episode that I'm so excited for you guys to listen to. Before we hop into it, let's talk about my personal and professional highlights for the week. Starting with my professional highlights, I feel like every week I'm telling you guys about things I did for my job, and obviously that's what this professional section is for, but this was definitely one of the best weekends so far. The longest, by far, but one of the best. This weekend was St. John's Homecoming, so it was the first homecoming that in a while, maybe in forever, I don't really know. But there were so many exciting things that happened during homecoming that I got to work and be a part of, so... On Friday night, we had Red Storm Tip-Off, which is an annual event where we um, announce the men's basketball team and the women's basketball team, and they come out and they do these intros, and it's really just to get everyone hyped for basketball season, and um, we always get a rapper, two or a performer, but it's usually a rapper, and this year is Fabio Foreign, who I've never heard about before and didn't give that great of a performance, but... Realistically, it was just such a fun event that I was so glad to be a part of. I handled a lot with just like media credentials and things like that. I helped out with those, handed them out, um, just kind of got everything ready from the media end for that. And then today was our second day of homecoming. It's Saturday right now as I record this and I had a volleyball game this afternoon at three o'clock and it was a three set sweep against Xavier, so girlies won and i was so happy because i hate writing losing releases and then we had the statue unveiling after that which was a statue of lou Carnesecca. who if you didn't go to saint john's or you don't know about saint john's basketball lou carneseca was a head coach and he recorded 526 wins in his tenure and he's an amazing incredible person and our arena is named after him carneseca arena but we unveiled a statue of him in our lobby today so i got to go to that ceremony as well And then after that, we had our Hall of Fame ceremony where we inducted the class of 2021 into the Hall of Fame. There was dinner, so that was good. I like food. And also just, it's so fun to be a part of these events. I'm really blessed to be able to do what I do. On a personal note, I also feel like I just keep talking about my knee, but I started physical therapy this week for my post-surgery. And honestly, I'm walking, I'm moving it. I'm not wearing an ace bandage anymore or anything on it, so like everything is just like thriving. Honestly, I just really need to work on mobility, but everything else, I'm like lit. I am so tired from this weekend and I have more work to do tomorrow, so um, without further ado, let's hop right into this episode. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi,
1: my name is Naz Lorio. I am the founder of 50th Parallel Public Relations.
0: Amazing. So we're going to hop right into the hot seat segment so we can get to know you a little bit more on a more personal level, break the ice a little bit. So my first question for you is, if you had one free hour every day, how would you use it? If I had
1: one free hour every day, how would I use it? You know, I'm really obsessed with my dog. So it would just be probably to spend more time with him. We're going through a bit of um, training with him right now. So just like fitting that in is always a struggle right now. So I think that's probably how I would spend my extra hour a day is like really good quality time with my dog where I don't feel like it's rushed.
0: When did you get the dog? Hunter, we've had him for, he's going to be six in a couple of weeks. So
1: we've had him for five years. He was a re-home, um, so we got him when he was one. Um, yeah, he's an Airedale terrier. I love him to death. He's very smart and always needs constant stimulation. So when I'm working from home like today, it, um, it kind of always is a bit of distraction being home with him because he's like, oh, mom's home. It's time to play.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have six dogs, so they- wow. All sit around my dad's feet while he works all day long.
1: Oh, so sweet. Um,
0: and then during COVID, one of our dogs picked up this bad habit where if she's not being held, she just barks all day long. Oh, yeah. So she starts barking at seven in the morning
1: mm-hmm. and does
0: not stop until she eats. And then a few hours later, she'll start barking again. So, yeah, oh very nice, God. very nice
1: household. <laughs> Yeah. My dog doesn't really care about my attention all the time like that. He just wants to know that like I'm aware of him and when he wants something, he kind of like barks at me to get it, but it's not for attention. It's usually for food or to go out or to Mm -hmm. see whatever deer is running across our backyard.
0: (laughs) My second question for you is if you could have dinner with any person dead or alive, who would you pick? You know, I have been asked this question before and
1: I always find it really hard to answer. There's so many people I think um, for me, Lucy Maud Montgomery is a famous Canadian author. She wrote Anne of Green Gables. and um, I read all those books when I was quite young. and uh, they they were the reason why I wanted to originally be a writer when I got when I grew up. So probably her, just because I would be interested to know what it would be like to be a writer during the time that she was writing those novels. Um, yeah, I think she she grew up in PEI, which is another kind of like remote, uh, community in Canada and also on an island. I live on Vancouver Island. So I feel like there's some interesting parallels there, but yeah, I think that would be who I would
0: pick. Mm -hmm. So what is kind of like one question that you would want to ask her?
1: Yeah. I would probably ask her, how did she overcome, um, you know, I mean, like the generic question could be like, how did she overcome adversity? But I think that more meaningfully, I would think about how did she work through the day to day, having to push against um, limiting beliefs around women and um, their capabilities? How did she work through that on a day to day basis to continue to do and create what she ended up Mm -hmm. creating?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So now, kind of hopping into the bulk of the episode, more of the communications-focused questions. Can you first start by telling me where you went to school and what you got your degree in?
1: Yeah, so I was um, born and raised in Windsor, Ontario, in Canada, and um, I went to the University of Windsor. I originally started out um, with a degree in just um, English Lit, or I started my program and just wanting to take English Lit, and about a year in, I changed and did a communications and media studies focus Um, so that's what I ended up graduating um, the University of Windsor with is a undergrad in comms and media studies
0: yeah so I actually I got my degree in English lit Mm -hmm. um so I like hearing that so what do you kind of think like before you switched over your major what do you think you learned as an English lit major that you use in public relations
1: Yeah, I think strong writing abilities, like all I did was write and read. Learning to build like a thesis and be able to present um, an argument in a certain way, in a strong way, in a justified way, while being mindful of, you know, all all the literary elements involved with the piece really helped when I moved into comms because I had a lot more of a strength around looking at different perspectives.
0: Yeah, and so I like to ask that question because I think a lot of times sometimes people feel like they can't work in PR or they can't work in communications because that's not what their degree is in. Mm-hmm. And I like to kind of share that there's so many applicable skills from other degrees that you can kind of work your way into PR, no matter what your degree is in, you just have to find out what from that degree is going to be useful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. There are a lot of um, individuals that have come to work for my team who have uh, very diverse backgrounds. Like one person, she worked in Silicon Valley. She did a lot of uh, publicity work out there and a lot of SEO type work uh, for YouTube. And uh, she ended up landing on Vancouver Island and found me and started working with me. I have staff that have political science backgrounds, history backgrounds, English backgrounds. So I think you're right in saying that there are a lot of paths that you can take to get to the PR route, if that's something you're interested in.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I also, I want to talk about staff and hiring a little bit later on. So before we get into that, can you kind of tell me how you kind of got to starting your business? Did you do any jobs or internships? What led you to where you are now?
1: Well, I, um, you know it's funny because like at the beginning of this I had said that I had already I'd always kind of envisioned myself as a writer. I wanted to be a journalist, I wanted to do foreign correspondence work um and what ended up getting me on this path was that my parents said that they weren't going to pay for my education if I went and and did a major in journalism because they didn't see it as a job that had a lot of potential they wanted me to have something more consistent um you know more like like that they could brag about with my family back home and so they wanted me on the track to be a lawyer or a doctor and so I kind of just made up this like excuse that okay well i'll go into school i'll do like um a bachelor of arts degree and then i will consider going to um law school after so when i was in university i then made that switch to comms when i had originally started with english and uh, really loved a lot of the a lot of the courses i was taking around comms i started considering my last year my last semester to do an internship to kind of get a really good sense of what working in communications would feel like um before I kind of like really committed my career path to doing work in that so I did an unpaid internship first at um a not-for-profit called Canadian Mental Health I was there for a few months um and then you know and then I like I finished and then my degree was done and I I didn't really know where to go my my boyfriend at the time who is now my husband um, is with the Royal Canadian RCMP and he got posted to this remote location in northern British Columbia. And so I followed him out there after I was done my undergrad and couldn't find work in PR and communications because it was such a small remote community. And so a year and a half in I decided to go back to school. And I got into Humber College in Toronto for um, public relations. And I did my my, um, post-grad in that. And that's kind of when I really was like, okay, this is the start of something. This is the direction I'm going to go. And I really love it. I did another, you would kind of say it's an unpaid internship. Not really. Like I got like, I don't know, 500 bucks every couple months to do this job full-time at a big media production company in Canada called chorus entertainment and uh did corporate PR there really loved it and then that internship ended and I went back to Terrace where my my uh partner was still and um still again couldn't find work in a small community I think there was three jobs and communications that you could possibly get and people weren't about to leave those positions and One day I had someone call me saying that they were a consultant that recently moved from Terrace to Calgary and they were looking for someone local to start working with their Indigenous clients and if I would be interested they were in marketing communications and they wanted someone who had a strong PR communications background. So I started consulting and um, this was 2013. And that's kind of how I started the business was I started building up a reputation for my work. I had no experience working with Indigenous communities before that, um, let alone even just interacting with Indigenous communities where we grew up in Ontario. There weren't a lot of communities close by. So that was a, a huge learning curve for me. And, um, but I just kind of walked into it, like really trusting myself and, and being open to learning and being open to failing at the same time, because there were a lot of ups and downs with learning in those first couple of years. And then we moved to Vancouver Island sometime after, and that's when I really started to hire and grow the, grow the business.
0: Yeah. So when you were kind of in school and you were thinking about being a writer at first, was that something that you also kind of thought that you would be self-employed doing that? Or would you, were you looking to kind of work for a company?
1: I wanted to be, well, I wanted to be a self-employed writer. Like I wanted to write short stories on my own. And then I I also wanted to be um, a journalist and write for um, a major publication in Canada. So Globe and Mail was the big one that I was hoping to eventually be a journalist Mm-hmm. four. Um, but yeah, that was kind of how it started.
0: Yeah. So I asked that question because I think so many times I talk to founders of companies mm-hmm. and they either tell me that they knew from the beginning they wanted to have their own business or they didn't want it at all. And then it just kind of happened and it grew into what it is now. So kind mm-hmm. of like you definitely had that drive to be self-employed, like looking to mm-hmm. be a writer, but then you were also looking to work for a company as well. So Mm -hmm. you always kind of had that drive, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, working for myself and I've had others ask me that if I had always kind of known that I was going to work for myself. I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs where I knew what to expect around that. My parents were very self-made. They came to Canada with not like a whole lot. They never lived on welfare, which was, you know, like something that they were very proud of. And they built their kind of, you know, what they had and putting us through university from from nothing. And um, I always envisioned myself working for a big company because I wanted the experience. I wanted to like work for really exciting projects. I really loved the idea of having everyday feel a bit different. And I wanted to be learning from industry leaders. And then when I was in my um, post-grad in PR, there was this class that we took and they made us take this quiz and it was supposed to rank you as an entrepreneur if you were entrepreneurial minded based on all these skill sets that you had. And I was the only one in the class that ranks the highest on it. And I started to make me think about it a bit more from there. And I kind of just let it take me from there. And everything from that point kind of just pulled me into this place of wanting to work on my own more. I had very strong um, ideas and ways of kind of considering how to do things. I really liked being a leader um, and Kind of thinking about creating something bigger than myself, I love you know legacy is a big deal for me, so yeah, I think it kind of just naturally evolved
0: for the most part,
1: and I just let it happen, but I was also mindful that I needed to do my time and to learn from others mm-hmm. in order to be successful in that.
0: yeah, so you mentioned that no one in your family was kind of an entrepreneur, everyone kind of worked for other people, so you didn't really know what went into really starting a business. so now talk from your end, what goes into starting in agency, what's the process look like? How do you find your clients? How does that whole experience work?
1: Mm-hmm. So, a lot of I would like to say like resilience, a bit of stubbornness, a lot of you know, um, you know, hoping for the best and trusting has gone into building out my business. I you know I'm in year four of founding the company, and in my first year, I thought I was gonna have like. You know, maybe maybe two or three staff and small office, maybe maybe we'll start out from working from home. Um, I didn't expect to grow to a team of six in my first year and having to open my own standalone office right away. So I really leaned on a lot of friends who had their own businesses, had their own agencies, people I had met um along the way that I reached out to for advice and support. And I just listened. I like went through this information gathering phase. You know, we do this when we work with new clients, we do like communication reviews for them to kind of see where they're at. And I knew where I wanted to go. I knew that I was busy enough to have staff. And so it was just a matter of, okay, what steps do I need to take? There was a lot of like steps I wasn't expecting to take. And I I'm lucky that i have a really supportive partner who is like you know when we were setting up the office i was having issues with getting internet wired in the office and so he would go and deal with that while i would kind of fill out the paperwork to have um my team insurance like in place before we opened on our day one so i think that asking for help was a really big challenge for me in the beginning that i had to overcome really quickly in order to be successful um and then yeah accessing people on professionals uh, who, who were going to guide me along the way to get to the point that we are now.
0: So asking questions, asking for help is definitely such a big part of it. And so when you were talking to other people in the industry, when you were kind of networking with those people, Mm -hmm. what is kind of like your biggest piece of advice for networking? Cause I think so many people think that networking is scary. Mm -hmm. So what would you tell those people? Yeah. I mean, like I, it's still something that
1: is, I don't really like the traditional idea of networking. I had been asked to join chambers in the last few years. I actually worked for a chamber for a period of time, a chamber of commerce. And I don't really love the traditional way of doing it. I really love meaningful, authentic connection with people. And so one way I go about doing it is, you know, I, I don't limit myself to the geography we're in. If I'm really impressed by what someone is doing in Australia, I'll reach out to that person through, like I'll send them a DM through Instagram or send them an email saying, hey, you know, like I, I notice you, I see you, I, I am really connected to what you're doing. I am running my agency in a way that I feel like is in alignment with how you're running yours. I would really love to connect um, and share experiences it doesn't always work. People are very busy. And when you're, you know, reaching out to others in other countries, there's that time difference that you have to keep in mind, but it has helped. And on a local level, connecting with people that I really admire, um, like, for example, there was another PR agency in the town we recently lived and that's where I started the business that, um, you know, they did similar work, but it was still different. So I didn't feel like there was a threat of competition in any way. And I, really was drawn to this per the founder of this company. And I felt confident enough and comfortable enough, having kind of met her a few times through different social events to reach out to her and just be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm ready to do something different. I'm ready to take a big jump. I'm ready to leave my full-time job and, you know, start my own business consulting and also hire two staff. Where do I go from there? And she, um, to this day, like I credit a lot of where we ended up because she took the time she took an hour with me and answered all my questions about where do I even start and um yeah that really that really set me on a good on in a good way so I think that like when it comes to networking and making meaningful connection with people reach out to people not because they're in the industry that you're in but like reach out to them because you actually genuinely are interested or inspired by them
0: yeah and I think that meaningful connection aspect of it is so 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 important I feel like sometimes people are just like oh, yeah, I've heard it's all about who you know, so I'm going to try to know everyone. Mm -hmm. But knowing everyone doesn't really make a difference if you don't have a reason to know all those people. Mm -hmm. You kind of need to... People don't just want to talk to you. They want to talk to you because they know you care.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So it's definitely that meaningful connections aspect that I think will help like a lot of people kind of understand networking a little bit more.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think when you're starting out, you definitely... It is valuable to kind of go to as many like events that are relevant and and, and are in alignment with what you're trying to achieve uh, in the beginning, because it is an industry that people will work with you if they know who you are, if they just kind of see your business name and they don't know the person behind the business, they're less likely to choose working with you. And then they're more likely to choose maybe someone who is not even in the community that you're operating in um, or the, or the social circle that they are aware of. So I would say that, you know, I, I definitely try to put myself in as many situations as possible to meet people because in the beginning, you don't know who you need to connect with and who's, who's going to have a meaningful connection to what you're trying to achieve and the direction you're going in. You have to just be open to all those experiences.
0: hundred percent. So now kind of Switching gears a little bit I'm curious about the name 50th Parallel PR like where did that come from what's the story behind that? Yeah so it was
1: really like I don't know I was we were close to the 50th Parallel when I lived in Court e, and I was like well like you know my husband like rides a boat he just finished a boat course and you know we really wanted to choose a name that was synonymous with the area we were located so that Um, you know, you heard the name 50th Parallel, the community around us felt connected to the name right away. Uh, As we've moved and no longer are close to the 50th Parallel, I actually think we're below the 49th Parallel now, it is an interesting conversation to have with people because there's less of a connection to the local community in that way. And, um, but people have abbreviated to 50th now. And, you know, I'm going through a period of um, considering a rebrand, a rename, because the location doesn't make sense. I feel like it's funny to call us 50th Parallel, and it doesn't really mean anything for this area. But um, you know, it's it's non-gender, also, which I really love. I think a lot of PR agencies sometimes I see, because it's a female-dominated industry, that they're very um, female-centric. And so I like that it's a bit of a strong brand and that you can't tell by reading it if it's like a female-led, all-female agency, which we are, you can kind of just get a sense of like, I don't know, it feels like a strong name and our, our, we built off of it in the last few years. We have a podcast ourselves called Parallel Purpose and, um, you know, when our clients talk and you hear the things that they say, like, you know, they they want to align with, other businesses that have parallels to theirs. I think that that parallel has been a strong brand of its own. So I'm I'm kind of thinking about hanging on to it. I'm not sure yet, but that originally is why we chose it.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely feel like all the things you're saying are so relevant, like that it being being a female dominated industry and then having that gender neutral kind of name, I think is very significant. I think that <laughs> with so many agencies being like female centric, it Mm -hmm. kind of becomes like the whole brand of the agency and kind of like Mm -hmm. the brand of the industry. And I think if we want to be a more open industry, we need to kind of switch gears a little bit and Mm -hmm. focus on including all the genders and being more gender neutral, because
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I've talked to like 60 guests on my show already. And I can count on one hand, how many of my guests have been male and how many of them have been female.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: I feel like we're kind of, public relations is kind of in a period of change where like, I know when I was in school, I had classes with people that were interested in public relations and they were male. And so many of them have then went the marketing route because they thought it was more like the male area to go. Mm -hmm. So I like that you mention the gender neutral kind of name. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And that's kind of what I want to stick with if we do end up changing it eventually. And even our branding itself, like we definitely have evolved. And I talked. we talked about this recently in our podcast about what a brand, how branding has evolved and how companies need to be more mindful and accountable to it and how like we did start out with, you know, seafoam green and, you know, salmon pink in our branding. But now we have really strong like black, gray, green and yellow in our branding. And I like that. It feels like it has more of a presence and it has a more distinct look and feel and kind of being this brand that, you know, kind of feels like it has to conform to what's going on with the industry right now, because I do think that there is change on the horizon for it.
0: Yeah, 100%. So now kind of switching gears a little bit. Can you kind of tell me what a week looks like for you? And I asked that question because I know every day of PR is like different and unique Mm. because there's so many things I need to get done. So kind of, is there a certain way you structure your weeks or what are kind of some of the tasks that you have to get done during each week?
1: Yeah. So I think there's two weeks look different for like me as a founder and then, you know my staff as part of my agency so we do like as a team come together on mondays for our team meetings before we kind of start our week off um so that we can kind of have a really strong footing i do have an agency manager that leads those meetings to kind of brief the whole team as to what to expect with accounts and changes to clients and and those kinds of things and everyone does their updates um for the accounts that they're responsible for and um know every other week it's really important for us to bond and have time where we're kind of you know together but not doing client work and so uh we rolled up podcast coffee hour a few years ago where we listen to a podcast together and we have a discussion about it um it helps feed into we do podcast production for our clients actually and so um it helps us kind of listen to a variety of different types of podcasts to strengthen that service for our clients But also, um, you know, we have that time to kind of get to know each other and our worldviews a bit better. And then every other week on Fridays, we do Feedback Friday, where the team presents um, any work that they're working on, whether it be creative, because we do have creative services or strategic for the team to provide feedback on or direction on or, you know, like, great job on if it's something that's been approved by a client And then kind of everything in between those structured days, we kind of just put our head down and work. A lot of client meetings has been happening virtually over the last few weeks. Um, And we especially like a lot of our clients used to be very local and now they're a bit more spread out. And, you know, having that culture change around being open to more digital meetings has really opened up working with clients from different provinces now Uh, for me. I feel like my days have been really reactive in the last few months so I kind of get up and you know address any emails that I need to right away and put my head down and try to do some business stuff and then just deal with all the other stuff that needs to be dealt with immediately throughout the day so um but I do try to reserve time with my coach I have a coach in Australia that I connect with every few weeks, reserve the time for that. I do a lot of business development, looking at our team structure, planning out for the next few hires. I reserve time for that on Fridays. Um, And then also Fridays, I I block myself off to work on a course offering that we are launching next year. So lots of trying to like be present and be available to the team, be reactive to work, but also kind of reserving that time to plan ahead is really important.
0: Yeah, and it definitely sounds like you have a really good structure with your team and making time for just bonding as a team and then also getting work done and that's definitely something that's so important and I feel like that's something that we missed out a lot on during the big COVID times when we were all remote a lot of companies didn't really know how to adapt to that virtual format and so that you guys having that opportunity to bond as a team is definitely something that's really important and so now I kind of like to ask people, I usually say like, what is something specific you would recommend to someone in college or advice you can offer them? But I kind of want to shift it to you as a business owner. When you're looking to bring people on your team, what specific things are you kind of looking for? What skills are you looking for someone to have?
1: Mm -hmm. So the core education around either PR or communications or political science, some kind of equivalent education to um, the type of work we do. So the type of work our agency does is very purpose-driven. So we work with like indigenous communities, like I mentioned, government, um, thought leaders and then purpose-driven businesses. So if you have had prior experience in working in any of those sectors, that is really helpful. Um, so I look for, you know, usually one to two years experience around that. And then also kind of someone who is really connected to the work that we do. I really look for someone who wants to work with us, not because we're a PR agency and the type of services we offer, but a level deeper, it's the clients that we work with and the impact that we're trying to make as an agency is really important. So somewhat of an understanding and someone who has, um, their values aligned with ours is really important because we... We, we connect and we do the best work when we feel like everyone on our team has the same set of values. And so that's what I really look for. And then I've hired some great people who um, have relocated for the job because they, um, they, they want to be in PR, but they don't want to like necessarily do publicity work or they don't want to work for a big corporate Um, entity. They want to work for a PR agency that's really community driven and community minded and is trying to lift people up to make a bigger impact.
0: I think with every PR agency being different and focusing on different things, it's so important to actually feel connected to the mission of that specific PR firm. And I like that you mentioned that drive that people need to have to work in that industry. Mm -hmm. And so something I kind of like to ask business owners is, When you're looking for a hiring process, what's kind of more important to you, the experience someone has, or like their drive for working in the industry, working in PR, working in that specific aspect of PR?
1: Mm -hmm. I definitely hired people who have had the drive more than the experience, just because I'm mindful also of the location that we're in. And like prior when I had like, I had two standalone offices, um, Prior to COVID, and now we've kind of um, amalgamated them into one. And so we always hired kind of like close to the office locations. We're now hiring more remote workers, kind of still in the same region, but they're further out. And um, I would say probably my last two hires, they didn't have a ton of experience. They had maybe some good, like, strong foundational skills that I needed, like writing um, and working with not-for-profits was a good one too but I definitely do end up hiring someone who I feel like has the drive to either learn quickly or um, figure it out on their own and someone that has sometimes people who have the most experience aren't always the best fit for the job because they're so used to do things a certain way um, or, or they niche themselves into a certain sector that it's really hard to train them to in our approach to working with clients, especially with indigenous communities, because that has its own, um, set of challenges and understanding of protocol and culture, which takes time. And someone who has less experience is more patient around that learning curve. Mm -hmm.
0: And so now we've talked kind of about someone being a good fit for the company. So now kind of this question kind of focuses on like, your company being a good fit for a client, what makes 50th Parallel PR unique? Why would a client pick you over a different PR agency?
1: Mm -hmm. So I always like to say, you know, people like to hear that we're a female-led, all-female agency. We're so much more than that. We're a team of creatives who are really driven to uh, work with clients to make a bigger impact. And we're one of the only agencies in BC that have worked with Indigenous communities, so have a really great level of understanding as a non-Indigenous person what it's like to go into that space that has not always been historically open to non-Indigenous individuals to try to create more meaningful relationships and a conversation and dialogue and really understand and listen to what those communities need so that has been that foundational learning experience has allowed us to approach that work with our clients as well which we're able to create work that really connects with them and I like to say I I'm, I'm creating legacy pieces for them. I want to work with legacy brands that um yeah that their mandate is to do better for everyone in the future.
0: Yeah, so now kind of in working with those legacy brands and helping them do better in the future, what kind of is your favorite part of working in your job? I
1: probably have two answers to that. One of my favorite things is working with my team. I get really inspired by them, especially new staff coming in and hearing about their prior experiences and hearing about how working with us is a bit different and how they get really connected to the work right away. And they get really excited to, um, they feel like they're contributing to something that's making a bigger difference. So that's probably the most exciting thing is my working with my team and seeing them go through that and then the other thing is just working like with clients and and being in this space now where the company is recognized for what it does for so many years i was like okay got a niche down got a niche down got a niche down and then um kind of almost like pigeonholed myself into a space and wanting to be like well I like diversity. I don't want to just work with this one type of client. I want to work with all different kinds of clients, but I want all the values to be similar. So coming up from that over niching down space is a bit of a challenge, but now I feel like we're in, um, we're, we are in a space that clients know who we are and what we do and our capabilities. And that brand recognition is really exciting.
0: Mm -hmm. So now, Do you have like a least favorite part of your job?
1: Yeah, I think that like the HR stuff of it, um, you know, there have been a lot of
0: policies and
1: mandates that have have been rolled out that we needed to enforce around COVID, for example, that's not fun. Um, You know, coaching conversations with staff that aren't going to work out letting people go like all that kind of stuff is really because I love my team. And I always feel like every time we hire someone, they become part of this team and we spend a lot of time together and when it doesn't work out and you have to let someone go, I really struggle with that. Um, Especially if it's kind of, you know, they haven't done anything necessarily. It just doesn't work out or it's not a good fit. Those are really hard conversations Mm. to have.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think everyone kind of hates that like HR more administrative part of it because it's the part where you don't get to have as much fun and be as creative. And I think so much of the appeal of working in PR is getting to be creative and getting to think creatively.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of our clients are multi-year too. And so the one thing I think I we've been able to shift people's mindset around is how to use uh, kind of in a way that there's not a dependency, but we're here to support. And as you grow, the relationship will change year after year. So that's another really exciting thing that I really love about the job. But yeah, the the admin and HR staff every year, we have to be a bit more I don't say stricter, but a little bit more um, consistent in how we, what our expectations are for the team is, especially as we continue to grow. So rolling out these structures are good for everyone, but it doesn't always fit to when you, with all staff, when you roll it out. So that's always a tricky situation to be in. But as a founder, I'm learning that uh, they're important conversations to have.
0: 100%. And so I kind of just have one more question for you. And it's if Looking back on your entire journey, getting where you are now, going through college, going through university, going through your master's degree program, going through kind of everything you've done, is there anything that you would have done differently or that you would change looking back on?
1: You know, if you had asked me this before COVID, I feel like I would have given you a different answer, but now that is our reality. I think that the biggest thing for me is that I didn't really take a break, that I was so, I I had this tendency of being so inspired and so motivated and so ambitious that I need to kind of ride the momentum and I really feed off that energy and I never really stopped and took a break one of my big goals in life was to travel and visit all the countries in the world and you know I I had my plan had shifted I was going to do it after university and then my plan had shifted and said well get something going get something established and then take a break and so the plan was to do that last year. I got, I got married in July and my husband and I, we were going to um, go to Ireland for a month and then come back. And then I was going to go to France with a friend this year. And so I had all these big plans to start traveling again, because I felt like the business was in a really good place. I had built up a leadership team that I could really trust to handle things without me being here. And then COVID happened and I couldn't go anywhere. And so I feel like I'm really missing that. And I think that if I were reflecting back, I would have given myself more time to breathe and reflect and just enjoy the experience, enjoy the successes, instead of just being like, okay, I I have figured that out. I've met that success for myself, time to move the bar up and keep going.
0: Mm-hmm. COVID cool. definitely changed a lot of things for a lot of people. Do you have plans to kind of go on those trips in future years?
1: Yeah, I was like, I had this... Um, this urge yesterday to just book the Ireland trip finally, cause that was gonna be our honeymoon. And, you know, we still haven't taken a honeymoon and we've been married for over a year now. So I think that now I just have to shift my expectations of what life is like living with COVID um, in our society. And just, you know, don't let that be the reason that holds us back from traveling and doing the things that we wanna do. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I am getting more motivated to mm-hmm. make that happen.
0: Yeah, well, I'm definitely so excited for you to be able to go on that Ireland trip. And just thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and the purpose of 50th Parallel PR. It's definitely such a great story. Definitely, you gave some really, really great advice that I'm excited for so many people to listen to.
1: Mm, Yeah, thank you for having me. It was really exciting to have you reach out. And uh, I'm really excited to listen back to this episode once it goes live.